Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. Last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so it begs a question in my mind. Jesus comes. Jesus goes back to heaven. What now? What's up now? I mean, because haven't you ever thought about uh, this whole issue? Uh, uh, I have. I've always gone. I've said many times in my life, um, you know, Jesus, if you were right here right now with me, things would be so much easier. You could explain me to me what I need to do to be healed or to pray for somebody and see them healed. You could, if you were standing right here, right here, right now, I could tell you my problems. I could tell you the decisions I'm facing. I could tell you the struggles I'm having, the, the difficulties I'm having in relationship or friendship somewhere. I could tell you the areas that are painful to me that I never seem to be able to get over. And you could tell me how to be free of that. But in John sixteen seven, Jesus says this. Essentially, just to paraphrase, he says it's much better, much better that I go away. Better, I mean, better than Jesus right here, better than the Jesus I can touch, better than the Jesus I can hear with my, with my ear, better than the Jesus I can watch and I can see his body language and I can see him minister to other people, I can see him face tiredness, I can see him face difficult decisions, I can see him face temptation and conflict and I can, I can learn by seeing, I can learn by hearing, I can learn by touching, I can learn by doing life and ministry with him side by side. And Jesus says, yes, it's better that I go away. To look at Jesus' own words in John 16, 7, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus uses this a metaphor or descriptive word advocate and we see in the context that what he's actually referring to is the spirit of god the holy spirit will come to us god's presence the very essence of his presence will come to us and jesus says it's better for us to know the holy spirit than for him to be here with us in bodily form i don't know if we always believe that and I think sometimes when we struggle with not believing that as well, we say this. We say, well, yeah, but who is Jesus talking to there? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the great leaders of the church. He's talking for the spiritual ones. This isn't for everybody to experience. This is for the really spiritual ones to experience. But those same disciples that he's talking to, we see uh, the account recorded in Acts 2 of them receiving this Holy Spirit. And Peter the leader of the church gets up and explains what's actually happening. And he quotes actually from Joel, the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. He says this, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Not some, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And that's the reason I'm having a lot more dreams because I'm getting to be an old fart. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that quite like that, should I? <laughs> Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit in this passage 
It teaches us that the Holy Spirit is something that all of us as Christ followers and as people are to experience. In fact, it basically is setting up that the Spirit, our encounter with the Spirit, our following of the Holy Spirit, our experience of the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece of what it means to follow Jesus in the Christian faith. The centerpiece. Not just an add-on. And though we can look and maybe we'll look over this course of this series how the Holy Spirit operated a little differently with humanity in the Old Testament than in the New Testament, and there's some differences there. If we really give an honest read to the Bible, even in the Old Testament, we have to say as well in the Old Testament that the encounter of the Holy Spirit was the centerpiece of their following of God too. We look at stories of Moses. We look at the stories of David. We look at the stories of the other godly leaders in the Old Testament. And as they're going about life, we see them regularly stopping to seek God. And we see them encountering the Holy Spirit, speaking to them in ways that they ever understand, whatever that means, whether it's thoughts in the minds or impressions or however they understood that, making himself real to them, encountering him, giving them power and direction and empowering their mission and protecting them and providing for them. We see that very real sense that the Holy Spirit is the centerpiece of all of humanity's life in following God. In fact, it's so important in the Old Testament that we look at King David when he's writing his psalm of repentance for his sin regarding Bathsheba. The centerpiece of that prayer of repentance to God in Psalm 51 says this. It says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. That interaction That encounter with a God who is very real, the very presence of God, was so important that it represented David's greatest fear in life to lose that because it was the centerpiece of life. And I read those things in the Old Testament where they stop and encounter. And I I, I honestly, I got to tell you, I get personally challenged by that because I look at a lot of those stories and I see the decisions they were facing And I just look at some of those decisions and I go, well, why didn't you just act? I mean, there's obvious solutions to what you're doing. And yet, even though there are obvious solutions, they still pause. And they still seek the Spirit. And they ask God to speak to them. And not only do they inquire, but they expect the presence of God to be made known to them in a way that they can understand it. And as a result, they see God work on their behalf in amazing ways, in unpredictable ways, in ways that they would not have chosen, in ways that are different than they would have thought on their own, in better ways even than what they would have thought. You see, the Spirit of God is very real to them. And the Spirit of God wants to be very real to each and every one of us. In all of this, we see the Spirit of God as the centerpiece of our faith and the interaction with him. And we see in the Bible that the Spirit of God is referred to in different ways. Sometimes it's called the Spirit of God. Sometimes it's called the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's called Spirit with a capital S. And if you look at the Elizabethan English translations, it's the Holy Ghost, which gives preachers the really uh, great way of saying, Holy Ghost! And we get to laugh, and I'm not that dramatic. I can't do that. But we look at that and We have to realize that this experience of the Holy Spirit 
is what makes our encounter with God real. It's what makes our encounter and our faith personal. It's a really big deal. And the church in America, we tend to spend, I've been guilty of this, we tend to spend a lot of time talking about the principles that guide our lives from the scriptures. We spend a lot of time talking about the core beliefs. We spend a lot of time talking about the things from the Bible that are the how to live wise types of things. And those are all great. The Bible is chock full of that and we should be talking about that. But I think we struggle with talking about the Holy Spirit because it just seems so mystical. So beyond our understanding. And there's something about it that oftentimes is uncomfortable for us. And in reality, I mean, the definition of mystical is that it's something beyond our ability to completely understand. But but we forget that there's a second half to that definition of mystical as well. The second half of that definition of mystical is that, yes, it's completely, it's beyond our ability to completely understand, and yet, nonetheless, we experience it, and we know it is real. It's like gravity and water. In fact, Jesus uses in John 3 an image to describe the Holy Spirit as wind. He says, the Spirit is like a wind. We don't know where it comes from or where it's going to. And it's almost this sense when you read that passage that that John is saying, this is exciting. This is this adventure. This is this unpredictable, beautiful, amazing thing that we get to experience and be a part of. But but we yet experience it. We know that it's true even though we can't fully understand it and can't fully explain it. And it greatly impacts our life. I know this is a challenging topic, partially because you probably are like me. Many of you have probably had experiences where things have been done in the name of the Spirit of God that um, at best they've seemed cheap to you or magical, maybe even at times abusive or over the top or just too whatever. I don't know what you'd put... And I don't normally do this. I'm not normally so bold as to put my experience forward in comparison to other people. But I got to tell you, I, I, I would I would bet that any negative experience you've had regarding how the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God has been expressed or things done in the name of the Holy Spirit, I probably experienced them. I've probably seen them. And yet I've also seen the spirit who is so mystical, so beyond belief, so unpredictable, so amazingly gentle and also sometimes amazingly powerful and strong do these um, just impact people's lives, including my life, in such beautiful, powerful ways. You see, the premise of this series that we're starting today is very much the same as the series we did last year on the real Jesus. The reality is that when we talked about the Real Jesus series, we talked about the fact that almost all of us have ideas of who Jesus is. In fact, if you look at the studies that study what, we, what the culture of America thinks about Jesus, you see all these cliches and all these beliefs and all these things that the culture attributes to Jesus that really aren't things Jesus says. And so the premise of last series in the, of the Real Jesus was simply this. If we want to experience life in Christ and who He really is, and we want the same results that we think we see that are winsome in other people's lives, then we need to know who the real Jesus is, not who 
we think he is, not who we prefer him to be. And the same is really true of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to spend a year on the Holy Spirit. We probably could, but don't worry. We're not going to have a 49-week series like we did on the real Jesus in this. But when we think of the Holy Spirit, we so often think of, you know, spooky, Holy Ghost, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Ghostbusters. But he's so much more than that. We're going to actually call this series something that at first seems really odd, I think, to you, and maybe even to some of you it may sound sacrilegious. We're going to call this series Follow the Goose. There's lots of images in Christian history. The most predominant one from the Bible and throughout Christian history for the Holy Spirit has been the dove. In the 5th century, there was an evangelistic movement that took an entire pagan nation in little over a lifetime of the the person who led this movement, St. Patrick, and turned them from completely irreverent following other gods to almost 100% changed and following Jesus through powerful encounters with the Spirit of God. And they struggled a little bit with the image that they wanted to use culturally for the Holy Spirit because for them the dove was docile. It's just soft and nice and pretty. But when they looked at all the images, and the dove is one image that the Bible uses to refer to the Holy Spirit, but when they look at all the various images of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and when they looked at their experience of the Holy Spirit, they felt like the wild goose was a much better representation of it because it was unpredictable, it was wild, it was strong, it was beautiful, it was powerful. It was, and, and, and whereas the dove just kind of flits and floats around in a certain area, the goose is actually on a journey. And they felt like the Holy Spirit was that to them, this wild, powerful, interesting, adventuresome, beautiful, untamable power of love of God that was leading them on a beautiful journey in life. And I suspect sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit in our own experience and in the church today, I suspect that we may have clipped the wings of the wild goose. We may have domesticated God to fit our comfort zone. And then sometimes we ask our questions and we wonder where our passion and our adventure is in life and yet we've turned our faith and and our pursuit of God into something smaller than He is. Mark Batterson asks this uh, strange question in his book called Wild Goose. He asks this, it's really kind of a funny question. He says, I wonder if angels have the capacity to get bored. Isn't that kind of a weird question? Kind of a funny question? And he goes on to describe it. He says, I wonder if we've clipped the wings of the Holy Spirit because we want life that's safe and comfortable. And he says, I wonder if sometimes our guardian angels get bored because they're trying to coax us out to do something adventuresome so that they actually have something to protect us from. You see, Batterson makes the assertion that I actually agree with. Most Christians in America are bored. We know our sins are forgiven and forgotten. We know that one day when we cross this divide, the space-time continuum between this life and the next life, that we'll be okay, we'll go to heaven. We know that we're trying our best to live within the guardrails of how God has designed us to live life, to be pleasing and perfect and experience all that He has, but we still have this gnawing feeling that there has to be something more. 
But there's something missing. And it really is because I think we've inverted Christianity. We've, instead of following the Holy Spirit, we invite the Holy Spirit to follow us. We make our plans and we create our lists of what we think life is supposed to be about. And then we ask God to bless them. Lord, help me make this sale. Help me get this promotion. Help me get this house. Help me get healing in this area of need. And our faith becomes inverted and our, and our prayer life begins to sound really frankly self-absorbed. Constantly asking God to meet our needs, my needs, rather than a prayer life of adventure. What do you have for me today, God? What surprise do you have in store for me to be a blessing to someone today? What surprise do you have in store for how you're going to meet this need that I need to have met? Where are you, God? What's the adventure in life today? We become myopic people. Our needs are the only thing we focus on rather than being free people who are able to follow with this, this adventuresome God of the Bible, this, this God that we see in all throughout the stories of the Bible that takes ordinary people and does something amazing through them. He takes weak, weak people and turns them into conquerors and winning battles. He takes poor people and, and makes them prosperous so they can be a blessing. He takes not-so-smart people and makes them the leaders of this movement of healing and blessing and salvation that, that confounds the wise and the powerful. You see, the real Holy Spirit is, is mysterious, is amazing, is exciting, is a wind that, that can blow our houses down and yet at the same time on a hot day soothe our heat and a raging fire that can consume everything and, and then all of a sudden also be the thing that warms our lives and heartens our lives and gives us light for our next step. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that, I'm going to use a term that I'll explain in a second, manifests the very presence of God and makes God real to us. And when we learn to follow Him, when we learn to understand who He is and sense who He is, our lives take on this unimaginable um, adventure. And we get to see these things happen that allow our lives to be blessings that are unimaginable previous to that. Now, I use this term manifest, okay? So what does that mean? It's, uh, I, I debated about using it because it's kind of a churchy term. But I can't figure out a way to say it any shorter, so I'm going to define it. I'm going to say it the really long way right now, and then throughout the rest of the series, I'm probably just going to use the word manifest. The Bible teaches us that God is omnipresent. He is always with us. Wherever you are, all the time, God's presence is with you. There's no time that you can be separated from God's presence. Isn't that amazing truth? Isn't that an amazingly beautiful thing? Well, it can be scary when we're not doing the right thing and God wants to change our lives. But really, I mean, he's there. Actually, the beautiful, beautiful part of that is he's there with us, loving us, hoping to free us. But there are times when his presence becomes manifest, when we, we know he's there. We sense that he's there. We can see that he's at work. We hear his voice, whatever that means to us. You know, we know is there. He's manifest in those times. And so this series that we're in is not just about education, but it's about trying to help us 
experience this God and to invite him to manifest his presence with us so that we can learn who he is and how to follow him. So we're going to be creating times throughout this series and where we want you to come and we are, we're going to be asking you to do some things, some active things every now and then to just experience God and to give yourself, put yourself in a position where God could do that. The Bible does talk uh, very strongly in many places about the fact that one of the ways that we uh, have God's presence manifest among us, become more aware of it, is through praise and worship. So uh, through corporate worship times together. And so that's the reason, one of the reasons why we think God orchestrated it for us to have Jason Upton come this next weekend and lead uh, a worship, a special worship time on Saturday night. Then he's also going to join us on Sunday morning. But I want to invite you to come to that experience. And I want you to invite you to come to it both curious and engaged. If you haven't already purchased tickets for Saturday night, I really want to encourage you to do that. And if you weren't here in last Sunday's service, the second service, you didn't hear this. Well, we had somebody come to us between services last week and offer that if you're not coming to this service, to the, the Jason Upton concert on Saturday night because you can't afford to, then we want to help you get there. Whether that means you can't pay anything because you don't have the money, they'll pay the whole thing. If you can pay five or ten bucks, they'll make up the difference. But if you are a person who's decided not to come because you can't afford the $20 ticket, then contact Jenny with an I, Jenny at GoToQuest this week, or talk to her in the lobby, or talk to one of us, and we will work it out so you can be here. We want you to be here, but more than that, we want you to come curious and engaged. You may not have ever experienced Jason's style of worship. It's, it's a style of worship that not everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea, right? But Wendy and I uh, listened to him probably, I think we woke up to his music for five years. And, uh, and, it, and it's just, it, it made a huge impact in our life. And so even if it's not your vibe, we want you to come expecting to see how the Holy Spirit works through him and expecting curious and engaged to experience the Holy Spirit yourself during that time. And not only, not only are we going to set up experiences there like that Saturday, but we're going to have, we're going to have experiences that we're going to ask you to respond to every now and then throughout this series in the service because we want you to engage and position yourself to allow God to become real to yourself. And in addition to that, we're also going to have throughout this series different speakers, different testimonies, different people talking about how they experience God. So we're going to talk about it both from the words of Scripture about what it teaches us about the Holy Spirit from the actions that we see of the Holy Spirit in Scripture so we understand Him. And we're also going to have people who are just like you who have experienced the Holy Spirit talking about how they experience. And we're going to have different people. Some of them might be really different. Um, mainly because we're all different personalities, right? We're all different emotionality. We have all different emotionality to ourselves and emotional awareness to ourselves or how we express that, different dreams, different desires. And, and we want you to hear from a bunch of different people because you're going to start to be able to all of a sudden say, that may be how God speaks to me because I experience that same thing. We want you to experience the Holy Spirit through this time. So today, I'm actually going to spend a good portion of the time now actually interviewing Todd Rose about how the Spirit has been active in his life at times. Todd is our missionary to Russia. Many of you have heard about him. Many of you haven't. He is in Saratov, Russia. It is a town of about a million people, about the same size as Columbus. They have the largest church in, uh, actually, I found out like a three-state area, whatever they call the states over there. 
and uh, as part of the work, the missionary work, he came to help plant. They've daughtered churches all over that area as well, in other, as, well as in other countries. Um, he also has an amazing opportunity through, because Saratov is a university town and people from all over the world are coming there to study, to be doctors and other things. And then some of those people are, are in his international church and being sent back to plant churches in Africa. It is an amazing gift that we as Quest get to be a part of this. And I just, come, would you come on, Todd, just give him a hand because it's just such a pleasure to be a part His son, Michael, is here. Hi, Michael. Sitting back there. Uh, second to the youngest. I got that correct now because yeah. I keep forgetting the baby. And, uh, and some of the rest of his family is back in uh, Russia. He's here for another week or so. And Todd and I have had a chance to talk this last week. And I wanted him to just tell you some of his encounters, the way the Holy Spirit led him. And I wanted him to start, uh, would you start with talking about how you encounter the Holy Spirit and actually even leaving the banking and becoming a missionary to Russia. Sure, there's a couple of strong moments that, uh, that happened. I was, had a great job at, uh, at the bank and very happy there and got a lot of my ident- identity from, from being there. And uh, I, I, took a, I was asked to chaperone a, a, a youth group into another conference. Uh, and it was a big conference, about 3,000 people there. And when they got, the, the main speaker started speaking, I really wasn't paying as much attention for myself as I was concerned about the people around me. And I was a strong Christian. I was involved in our church and in every way at the time. But um, at, at this moment, the, the man started preaching. And he said, uh, I, I remember very well, he said, uh, there are people here in the, uh, in the, that are hearing me right now that, that uh, aren't allowing God to use them the way that he wants to use them in a, in a, in a powerful way because they're afraid. And, and I, I looked around and told the people around me, and I listened closely. And, and all of a sudden, I felt like kind of like I had a, a laser on my head, and I felt like God just really spoke to me and said, if I'm talking to anybody in this room right now, I'm talking to you. And I thought, I kind of laughed. I'm like, yeah, I'm not afraid of anything. I mean, I, I played football my whole life. I fought my whole life. I consider myself this big, big, big tough guy. And, and I really asked God the question right there in that little conversation, like, uh, what, what am I afraid of? And, I, and God just kind of showed me a picture of me standing up in front of people at a church with a microphone and I kind of preach. And I thought, no way, no, anything, anything with that. And then I, I went immediately, I was afraid of that. I really was. And, and which is kind of funny now, cause that's all I do now. Basically. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not preaching every Sunday, it's I'm at a Bible school and at a different seminar type things. But, but back at the time, it absolutely petrified me. It really did. And, I, uh, and I said, God, any, anything but that really anything. But, uh, at the end of the night, I really got down on my knees and, and it was just a moment where I just didn't even know what was going on with the, the rest of the, the rest of the preaching. And I just really spoke to God and said, God, if I don't know how you can do this, I'm a banker, a mathematics guy. What you, what can you do with me? I'm not sure. But if you, if you can do something, I want you to do it. And I remember, I remember praying and God, please let it not be boring. Kind of, kind of like you said today. I don't, and that's a dangerous prayer. I think really looking back, but don't let it be boring. I don't want to be working in the church bookstore, uh, something like that, but. Um, so, uh, like literally three months went by and just, I, I was in my office and it just felt, uh, just, I wasn't satisfied. I really wasn't. And I shut the door and asked the secretary and, uh, to keep all the calls out and <clears throat> somebody called with, I was, and I got down on my knees and I was praying. I said, God, what happened? I mean, three months ago, I really felt like you had spoke to me and there was a, something that happened there at that conference. And I just want to say the same thing. What, if you can use me somehow, use me. I don't know how. 
uh, but I want to be used by you. And the phone started ringing, and I, my first reaction was I was kind of angry that my secretary didn't do what I asked her to do. But um, so finally, after probably, I don't know, it rang for three minutes, it just kept ringing and ringing. And I finally just picked it up, and it was this guy from another church that was leading a, a trip, to, a mission trip to Russia. And you picked it up really nice. Like, yeah. Was, like, oh, what do you want? What? <laughs> and so, yeah. And uh, so I, I, I'm talking to him, and I said, where did you get my information? He says, well, I got it right here that you, and here's your phone number and your address, that you want to go on a mission trip to Russia this summer. And what had happened is a friend of mine was at a, at a missions conference, and just to play a joke on me, he, he wrote, ah, I told Rose and put all my information. I would like to go on a missions trip this summer. So, and he kept waiting for the punchline, and finally it came. And it's 15 years later, it's still here. But oh, <clears throat> so, uh, and I really was just like, no, I, I didn't fill that out, thanks. And I started to hang up the phone. And it was really uh, this heavenly kind of voice, like, are you that, are you that stupid? I mean, really, <laughs> it's like, you were just praying. We're and, sick uh, sometimes, right? Yeah. And so I, so I said, well, tell me about the trip. And I hung up the phone, and I thought about it, and I, was, and I just could really feel like, you know, son, this is something that you really, you need to do this. And one, this is one of those moments in your life that you're, if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. Kind of, you're going to look back and say, wow. And so, I mean, 15 years later. Like so you the, went on the trip. Yeah, I went on the trip. And I, I mean, I certainly didn't leave it thinking that I was going to be there for any significant amount of time. I went there for two weeks, and what I was uh, uh, just overwhelmed with was, the, all the, the, the spiritual need and uh, poverty is everywhere, of course, but like the spiritual need and, and even God's ability through me to, 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 meet, to meet that need in some way. And uh, I came back home and my, my cubicle felt more like the Jonah's whale for three days. I was just there and I just, uh, I felt trapped. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I, I was praying more and more about God use me um, and, and, if, and use me in Russia Used me here, but I, and I, the, the, every day that went by, I thought more and more about Russia and being used there. And so I probably prayed for a year nonstop. God, send me there if you want. Send me there if that's your plan. Send me there. And just never heard anything. It was uh, just really quiet. I went back on a trip the, the following summer and came home. And, and I just said, God, if you, if you want me to move there, go. And probably it's, it was probably a year and a half later that I, from the time I started praying where I was praying one night. And I felt like uh, while I was praying... God send me, send me. And it was just, I got this kind of question. How long were you willing to go? Mm-hmm. And, and I knew, and I, it just wasn't a question I would come up with on my own. And, uh, and I, so I, I came and said, well, I could go, I could see myself there for nine months to a year, which is kind of funny now. But, uh-huh. um, and I heard this, this, the kind of this idea in my head is, what if it's, what if it's two years? I'm like, no way. And uh, I mean, immediately I could find like God turned off his cell phone type thing. And I just put no, no connection at all. And I'd prayed for a year and a half to kind of get an answer. And right when I was close, uh, you know, so the next night I came, I was praying. I said, God, come up, talk to me again. I, if it's two years, yeah, that's forever to me. I can't imagine. But yeah, sure. Okay, I could do it. And then the voice was, what about three like, no. Can you, just, can you just be quiet? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was just like three years. I mean, if I quit, my, I'll, have to, I'll quit my job and I won't, I won't be able to come back into this field. And I mean, and, and I mean, all, all the bars are gone on the cell phone type thing. So, and then I come back the next night and uh, before I even get really started, it was like five. No. So a week went by and I finally got down. I said, God, I can't, I mean, five years, friends, family, the whole bit. I know I'll come home in between that, but I just can't see it. But if, if you'll be with me, sure. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if this is what you want and you'll be with me, I, I'll go. And I mean, immediately, he's like, what about 10? And I said, stop, stop. 
And, uh, and, uh, and I mean, at that moment, I just, I mean, I don't know how to say it, but I knew it was God speaking with me. And uh, I'm on, on my knees with the, all the lights turned out. I'm just, and I said, God, if, if this is what you want from me, I want to be there versus any other place in the world. I don't know what you can do with me. I don't know how you can do it. I don't know what, what benefit there is to it. But uh, if, if you'll be with me and this is what you want, I'll go. And uh, if it's 15 or 50, uh, just let me know. And, and I just, there was just an amazing amount of peace that came up on me. And I just felt like God was spoke, spoke to me and said, kind of, now you're ready. And within, within a few days, my pastor calls me and says, look, you've been praying for Russia. Let's come and talk about it. And, and I told him, this is what I really feel. And he goes, I've felt that you need to go for a long time. But I felt like God, there was God doing something in your life. And I told him this. He said, yeah, I can see that. And, uh, and then somebody from Russia called and said, we'd love to have you come and, and move over to help. All within just a few days. So, I mean, uh-huh. God was really working. And looking back now, if somebody would have told me, I mean, without those, with, certainly without the first moment, but without that moment of, of God negotiating with me on the, on the deal here. If it wasn't for that, if somebody would have told me when I moved over in 97, Todd, you're going to be there for, for 16 years or however, mm-hmm. I, I would have told that. I would have certainly said no and, and rented the a car to the corner of America somewhere. I don't know, somewhere. Isn't, that, isn't that cool the way, well, it's easy to tell the story right now because it sounds so concise, but that's like several years of struggle. Oh yeah, no question. And a lot of silence in between. And yet God made it clear and the timing is just beautiful. So tell me about the time, there was a time you mentioned when we were talking this last week as well about uh, you thought you were done. You thought You thought you were coming home. And God again came and made it really clear the Spirit just made it real clear. Tell, tell me sure. about that time. I, you know, I've been doing, uh, for a number of years, our church was very active and started new churches around our state. The, the state of, of Saratov is about the same size as the state of Ohio. So we were, we were starting churches all around our state. And that was my ministry. And, and we'd started some. And, and then I'd mentored a couple of people to take that over. And, and so now I'm not only not, not helping them, I'm not even, they're past the point where they even need my mm-hmm. supervision, if you will. And all of a sudden, and just in all the areas of ministry that, that, that I was active in, I, we'd turn that over to Russians. And it just seemed to, to be a good natural time to, to maybe close it down. Well, that's what they teach you in missionary school, make it indigenous and leave. Yeah. Yeah. And we right? were there basically. And, and I, so, I, and I, at that point I was homesick where, uh, uh, and, well, our first son was born, and it just really seemed like a good time for us to, to come mm-hmm. home. Been there about 10 years at the time. And, and so I, I even called back home here to a number of pastors that were close to me, and I said, you know what, I'm not even praying anymore, should I come home? Now I'm at the point where I'm praying, I'm coming home unless you stop me. And that was uh-huh. kind of my way. And I said, I said God, I, w- I want to do your will, but show me. If, if, you want me to, if you want me to be here, really stop me at this point, because I think that all the signals I get are you're saying that this, this time's over. And so we really, I was active, actively praying for that and didn't, didn't really hear anything. And um, we'd been looking for land in Russia for a long time, probably, uh, probably three years, to, to buy and build a house. And it just, it never worked out. It was so frustrating. And um, so finally, uh, probably a month after praying that prayer, and it's really started having other people pray for us, that my real estate agent there in, in Saratov calls and says, you remember that, that area that you really loved and there just wasn't anything? Well, now there's something and let's go take a look. And just for fun, I mean, I, I really wasn't thinking. I thought more about Western Ohio than I was thinking Saratov at the time. And so we went and looked, and it was just, it was perfect. It was exactly what we were looking for in the right place. And, uh, and it was expensive. But, and I said, well, let's just see if God's in this. And so we, I gave them a number that was just, I mean, terribly low. And they said, sure, we, yeah, that works. 
and uh, and I, I went home to my wife and I, my wife and I said, "Well, let, that's not, we didn't get our answer yet. Let's just wait and uh, and see." And we didn't buy it. And all, all of a sudden, Sunday Sunday church, we'd had like one African that was an African student that had come to Saratov and was a part of our church. And I hardly knew him, but then all of a sudden, the, uh, like in the fall, this is the fall probably six years ago, uh, five years ago, uh, I saw like three or four Africans come in one Sunday. And I was, and I'm thinking, where are they, where are they all coming from? And I asked around, and there were a lot of new students coming into mm-hmm. our, to our medical school. And the next Sunday, we had like nine of them show up. And I said, and I went, I finally went over to them. They speak perfect English. And I'm talking to them and introduced myself. And I said, now, why, you, uh, do, uh, do you speak Russian? They said, no, we just English or our language. And I said, what are you doing here on Sunday? I mean, no offense, but like the Russian, the, if I'm not preaching the Russian, it's in Russian. You probably don't understand. They said, nope, not a word. Not a single word. And I said, well, I mean, why are you coming? And they looked at me just right in the eye and they said, where else would a Christian be on Sunday morning? I mean, wow. I mean and, I, and, and just the way they said it and how they said it, I just all of a sudden, I mean, God started speaking to me. And I said, are there other international students here in the city? And they said, yeah, we've got a few. Oh, 2,000, I just had no idea. And, uh, and he said, we've got a few. Are there other Christians here? Yeah, there's a few. And... And so I said, I'll tell you what, next week you come, I'll get behind you. I'm not preaching. I'll translate the service for you. And, and they're, they're, their eyes are wide open. They're excited. And I said, and afterwards, we'll, I'll set up a big lunch for whoever comes. Just come on. And uh, like, I was shocked. 20, 24 guys, 24 students came. And uh, I, just, I was blown away. I said, there can't be that many students here. And so we had lunch afterwards and I had them all kind of stand up and say something about themselves. Every one of them would stand up and say, like my worship leader, he says, I'm Henry, I'm from Ghana, I'm 25, I'm going to be here six years in medical school, and I just love Jesus, he's my best friend. I'm so excited that I can't believe that there's, I mean, we thought that this was atheist Russia or Orthodox Russia, we'd never find a church like this, this is incredible, thanks. And he sits down and I just, um, I went, and they all, all 24 of them told the same story, kind of. Mm-hmm. I went home that night and I prayed and I just, I felt like God spoke to me and said, there's something here right now that's, that's kind of, it, I, all this has been preparation for this right now. And, and uh, I called back home and said, I said, we're, we're, we're staying and, and it's, it's been great. That part of the ministry is probably, it's, it's the best thing I've probably ever been associated with is to be able to mentor and, and disciple and throw into the lives of, of so many international students. That's amazing because you get to not only help them, some of them are going back and planting churches, but they're also the leaders of their countries, the leaders of their cities. Yeah, they're sending the best of the best to us. And it's an amazing opportunity for you to be a part of that. So there was one other there was one other story I wanted him to tell as well. So uh, Todd has been asking me to come to Russia ever since I've been here four years (laughs) ago. And part of the reason is because their church had grown so tremendously over there that they uh, they ran into uh, organizational stress issues, just not knowing exactly how to reorganize. And since my background is in consulting, I've spent 11 years consulting. Before that, he'd asked me. I've never been able to get it to the point where I felt like God released me, so I, I connected him with a friend of mine named Craig. He used to be one of my small group leaders years ago and is just a longtime friend, just a brilliant, wonderful guy. And uh, he came into the situation this last year with you guys, and it was, a, it was a difficult situation, great relationships, but also a lot of tension in relationships because of the difficulties. And just tell us the story, how God worked initially in that to really open the doors wide open. Sure. We had, you said it very well. We had, some, we had grown so, quick, uh, so quickly. We, we're by far the largest church in probably a multi-state kind of area. And a lot of people look to us as kind of spiritual counseling advice, shepherding type things. So 
but we had grown so much that and we'd, our leadership structure was just way off you could feel it and it caused some some it was really starting to break us up as a church and you could feel it we'd had problems that we just never had relationally before and so uh, we did, we knew that we needed to change around our structure and so craig came in and i would say that um even though i invited him and we'd met on skype a few times still are our russian pastor staff there's myself and four others but these four were kind of skeptical still of like how can this guy really help us and mm-hmm. uh, thinking that he's just going to come in with a western mentality and won't, even though craig lives more out of the u.s than, than here yeah. but they didn't know that but um so Craig comes in and we, we go off on like a two-day retreat to talk about this structure and vision and stuff and strategic planning and and, uh, and and he says before we get started and there was kind of some tension in the room like can he really help us and he said before we get started let's some um, I want everybody the five of you to go off into a corner of this this uh, this house and just get two things from God say God give me give me a word for me right now not for the church and not for your wife but just for you right now and then get one scripture that you think that God has given you and and half hour later, everybody comes back, and one of our pastors, uh, Jania, a great friend of mine, he says, I'll go first. And he said, this is, this is kind of what I see, this is what I feel. And then he, he, and Craig says, what verse did you get uh, from God? And he said, really? I got, say, I can't remember the exact one, but it was, he said, First Peter 3, 8. And Craig says, wow, look at this. And he, he, he turns over a piece of paper, and it says, Jania, First Peter 3, 8. And, uh, and all of our guys are looking <laughs> How did you do that? Yeah. And uh, we've got another one of our pastors. If, if you'd meet him sometime, it'd, it'd be wonderful. He's just, he was a former mafia guy. I mean, Greco-Roman wrestler. I mean, just. Uh, he means mafia literally. Yeah, he said. Okay, yeah. this is not a joke. This is not an overstatement. This is a literal former. Yeah, like, he spent more time. In, he spent guy. more time in that sphere than he, that's, and then he has in the Christian world. So it, it still comes out even sometimes. I mean, if you're going to picture a guy that would just so be, a gun comes out every now, no, and then? no, 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 <laughs> no, not quite that far. But no, he's a tough guy, really. But he's yeah, one of our lead yeah. pastors. He's a great guy. But um, so he he says, all right, let's try me. Like, uh, and and he starts to share a little bit, and, and Craig shuts him off. He goes, look, all I get, all I had for you is, and he and he wrote down a piece of paper for Sergey, and he says. Um, he said, I just have the word Samuel. And, and uh, this guy just start cry- starts crying. Sergey, my, our pastor, starts crying. And he said, God has been speaking to me for a month about Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And, uh, and so our, the, our main pastor, the main partner that I work with, Pavel, he smiles and uh, he says, all right, let's get started. And it was just, you could feel it. Just all of a sudden, just a, just a tremendous amount of trust uh, that... Uh, that God had put through those through that moment and we just kind of really looked to him and and he helped us so much that our our church is in a just a great great place right now and because of the changes he helped we saw some things intuitively but he was able to really put some things in place that helped us tremendously cool and part of that too is Todd is now in a role with the church that he's really he's really um a key factor in that whole staff and moving it forward and it's just it's really going to be an exciting time over there over the next couple of years i'm hoping not sure yet but i'm hoping to go there in, in november the next time craig goes with him and just just get to see him firsthand so how can we pray for you tom well we have um uh, some great things going on right now as we speak right now we have uh, i sent a, a team to a missions team from our russian church to cuba uh, our, my the pastor that I partner with, he's in Vietnam right now. We've just really made a commitment as a church to, that this year and, and on beyond uh, that we're going to kind of do the, the Great Commission. The uh, mm-hmm. Judea, Samaria is kind of the, the Saratov state area. Jerusalem's our area, but we see the ends of the world. That There are some areas that 
we feel passionate about that, that our church, that Russians can be more effective missionaries than, say, some Western missionaries. Yeah. So that's, we're talking about uh, Cuba, uh, yeah. Vietnam, North Vietnam even more. We've, we're sending a team of girls to, uh, to Israel where there's 2 million Russian Jews that have immigrated there. So if you could be praying, even right now, we've got a team in Cuba and in Vietnam. So, and I'm taking a teammate to, to Kenya. Our, some of our students are going to go back with me in the fall to to Kenya with one of our pastors, probably Sergei, the, uh-huh. our mafia guy. And we'll go back to Kenya. So this is a really key year for us in terms of, of, of taking Russians and some of these students and telling them, hey, you can be a light to the whole world, uh, yeah. even, no, no matter who you are. Cool. Well, would you join me in praying for Todd and praying for the ministry there? Lord, we give you, we give you thanks for the way you've led Todd and for the way you make yourself real and powerful, for the way you raise up a church out of nothing in a town that, where uh, almost nobody knows you. And the way you've not only raised it up, but you're making it a place that multiplies uh, new churches, new leaders, new missions, new disciples. And Lord, we pray for all these mission endeavors to plant churches in the Saratov area and the areas around it and even overseas in areas where he's right, we can't go, but Russians can. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would create movements of redemption and movements of raising up leaders. And that you'd continue to bless Todd as he raised those up leaders, both in the church and specifically through the international ministry and its reach all over Russia. Lord, we ask that you would reach many for Christ and bless Todd with uh, just all the resources and all the wisdom and all the power from your spirit to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you. Can we give him a hand? One of the things I'm most excited about uh, as well with that is that not only do they reach the international students in Saratov, but uh, because of the position God has put them in, every summer they train uh, leaders from universities all over Russia to do the same ministry to Russian universities everywhere. It is a place that I just, honestly, I can't say it any other way. I I consider it a privilege for us to be a part of because God is doing so much there. So thank you for your giving. Uh, we give to them out of our normal missions budget that we come that just comes out of our regular tithes and offerings that we give. If you would decide you want to give them more, feel free to designate that. As we uh, move towards a close of today's service, the theme of our series, the theme of today really is, Jesus says it's better that he goes away. It's better. Can we trust that? Can we believe that? That it's better that he's not here. It's better that he sends his Holy Spirit. Peter says, speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. And whether you're here today and you're a convinced follower of Jesus, the vitality of your Christian faith is all about whether you can really learn to live with the Holy Spirit being the center of your experience, being led by the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're unconvinced in your faith, you're still not sure about Jesus, then really the the centerpiece of your journey to becoming convinced is to find out whether he's real, not not to find out whether all of your questions are going to be answered. Because the fact of the matter is, he's mysterious, he's God, he's beyond all of our questions. And we'll get someone's answered, but we're going to always have more questions. The real crux of the issue for you in your search, if you're unconvinced, is, is he real? And is he present? And this series is all about how he teaches us that he is. 
that His Spirit can be real. You can know Him. And you can know Him to be real, just like the wind and gravity. You can know Him to be real. And that's what He wants to become to you. Paul, as we'll look probably more at Paul in the next few weeks, writes about the Holy Spirit and he says that that the whole aspect of our life changing, the whole aspect of our life being transformed is all about our ability to be led by the Spirit and not by our own power. You see, your experience with the Holy Spirit is at the center of all your faith decisions. It's one of the most important things. When we understand that, faith can become compelling. Faith can become adventuresome, fully alive, uh, peaceful and, and dangerous at the same time. And empowered and vibrant. And I want to ask you over the next week especially, but throughout this whole series, to take one scripture to heart and make it the life breath of your prayers. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says this. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And that's one of those examples where Greek uh, syntax and grammar doesn't fully translate to English well. So let me say it as the Greek would be, but it's going to be grammatically wrong in English. It says, be continually, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, make it a habit of your life. A constant, daily, hourly, minute-by-minute habit to be asking God to fill you with His Holy Spirit. To make Himself known. To surprise you in the moment that you're about to experience of life. And so for this series, as far as application, I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask, whatever you've heard or experienced, good or bad, positive or, or, or less than positive about the Holy Spirit in the past, I want to ask you and invite you to lay it on the table. Just lay it all on the table and trust the Holy Spirit to take off that table and put in your life what He wants to put there so that we can discover who He really is. And I want you to live this whole series and learn to live life curious. Don't you love being around people who are curious? I love being around people who are curious. I want you to live curious and I want you to live engaged. Not just curious, but engaged. Who's the Holy Spirit to me? How do I get to know Him better? What does He want to do in my life today? How does He want to answer the problems I'm facing in my work or my family or my wherever, my relationships today? How does He want to work through me today in a surprising way that I couldn't know and couldn't do on my own to to bless somebody's life or to, to be a part of caring for another person? To live life curious and actively engaged in seeking and pursuing the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when you ask that question, when you ask Him to fill fill you, anticipate that He will. Expect Him to answer the prayer. You know, and when you come to Jason Upton's concert on Saturday night or when you come back on Sunday, just to actively engage. Some of you, you're curious, but you're not actively engaged. Maybe you've been here for a while and Worship goes on, and the Bible says that God's presence manifests itself in worship, but you've kind of held back because you don't like to sing, or you don't like to raise your hands or kneel, or become actively engaged. I want to encourage you to not only be curious, but stretch yourself, be actively engaged, and expect God to meet you there. So pure and simple this week, multiple times a day, just say, Holy Spirit, 
come fill me. Holy Spirit, show me what you're up to in my life right now. Holy Spirit, show me what you want to do with these difficult feelings I'm facing right now. Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to do in this next customer contact that I have or colleague contact I have. Just make it a habit. Ask. Open yourself. Let me pray for you now, and then I want you to respond right now even, just with beginning to ask Him that in your own words. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would just come now and that You would, in this process, make Yourself extremely real to us, that we would know who You are, that we would love who You are, and that we would experience the vibrancy of life being led by You that our community would experience the vibrancy of life when we are led by you. Just breathe to him. Just ask him right now in your own words. Just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, come fill me. Come touch me. Lord, take away the baggage I've had in the past about this and just let me see you for who you really are and experience all of you. Holy Spirit, come. And now just for a moment, allow yourself to engage in worship as Sean leads us. So if you came today, thank you for being here. The Holy Spirit wants to meet you. It may not happen as fast or in the ways that you want it to. Todd asked for a year for answers to questions, but he will make himself known. Pray that prayer this week. Just pray, God, Make yourself known to me. Fill me with your spirit. If you came and you've got a need, you've never experienced something that you could say that was God's presence touching me and you've got a need today, would you let us pray for you? And maybe God's spirit will touch you today. There's a prayer area. Just uh, We put it over in the back there because it's quiet. And uh, we've got some seats over there. If you just want to go back there and have somebody pray for you, we'll meet you there. But let's just go throughout the week letting our hunger for his presence be expressed to him. God bless. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.